Hey everyone, it's Andy and Phil. We're your co-hosts for the Burning Creative Podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're the partners over at Muddy Shutter Media and we're excited to have you listening to our show. This is a podcast about creativity, inspiration, and passion in the creative community. This show is sponsored and supported by MSM and therefore, no ads, all talk. We hope you enjoy the content and don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow our Instagram page at Burning Creative Podcast. Jumping right in, let's introduce today's guest. Okay, everyone. Today we have Rick Hunton on the podcast. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Rick runs the operations and creative side over at FHF Gear, and he has been a, a good friend of ours over the years when we first got started with Muddy Shutter. And you know, I, I think it's been such a cool journey for you seeing you and Seth move from Pennsylvania to Helena, and now you guys are all congregating in Bozeman, which is awesome. And you know, you're working at a brand that you have supported for a very long time, and now you are their first employee. So mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of give the listeners a little background about yourself and what's a day to day like at FHF. Yeah, well, I'll uh, just. Andy kind of summed it up there, moved to Montana with my best friend who will also be on this podcast. I'm not sure what episode he'll be aired on, Seth Morris. We moved to Helena and both were working different jobs. I have my college educations in forest management, so I was working for the Forest Service, but we got really involved in kind of amateur photography and content with some companies and FHF gear, which stands for Fish Hunt Fight Gear out of Bozeman, Montana, mm-hmm. became one of those companies. Seth actually ran their their main product we make is a bino harness. Company's been around since 2010. Seth ran their harness for longer than I have, but we've both been running them since right around when we moved to Montana, around there. And just got a built up a good relationship with the owner and the owner and his wife actually run the company. I was working for the Forest Service seasonally, and this past fall, reached out to them about some winter work opportunities if they needed anything. And they had an interview with me and talked about they they want to grow the company and take it farther. And what I what I like a job being their first employee, they definitely needed a lot of help on the creative content and just daily operations, shipping, mm-hmm. helping with anything that involves a company. So and I gladly accepted. It's been super fun, been very interesting. Cause like I said, I have no background in sales. I have no background in videography or photography besides just learning off YouTube. So that's YouTube my university. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially lately with the video editing and premiere, cause uh, we went ahead and got all the Adobe systems. I've been on YouTube pretty heavy going through that <laughs> learning. So that's, that's been interesting, but yeah, absolutely. And you know, we were just talking a little bit before this, but you have a very interesting opportunity ahead of you where you handle very technical sides of the company and you have the content creation and you are able to really see one for one what kind of content you need to create for FHF, right? Because I assume mm-hmm. that if there's consumers that buy your products, they don't know how to use it. You can quickly say, hey, guys, we got to create a video to educate our consumers on how to put on a bino harness or how to use this, this pouch. Um, mm-hmm. So what's, what's that process like? Uh, it's been, been interesting and mm-hmm. it, it's definitely kind of catching up work that uh, should have been done in the past and just 
to give a background with that, FHF was started by Paul Lewis, and he did 20 years law enforcement out of Gallatin County, out of the Sheriff's Department here. Mm-hmm. So, and he started the company when he was at five, six years left in his law enforcement career. So he was working a full shift, coming home and running this company and built it mm-hmm. up very, I think, to a very large scale just right. in that. But there was always things that he just couldn't get to. He got to some of the how-to videos very simply off cell phone video. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things that we were working as soon as I started to work, people not, like you said, Andy, they couldn't adjust the harness right. They didn't understand this. It was real simple problems. So right, the first sure. video project I worked on was coming up with how-tos and just how to mitigate all those emails and phone calls of how does this work? And then people can actually see how it, because another thing too, a lot of people say, well, I liked it, but this problem with the product, when in reality mm-hmm. is just user error, kind of, they weren't using it the right way not the proper size for what their application. So, right. yeah, so that's, it's been interesting, but it was kind of nice because I can work directly with Paul, you know, the owner designer, make those videos, push them out real quick. It wasn't, you know, and I have no background working with a huge company in that, but I feel like it was very streamlined, easy, mm-hmm. pretty fun process. So, right. And sometimes that, that can be crippling to a large company is that, you know, that process, right? You're working directly with Paul and mm-hmm. you are directly linked to a consumer rather than if, let's say, Phil and I went and bought a product and there's something wrong with it, we probably have to call a support line or we got to type up an email that goes to info at XYZ brand. We wait mm-hmm. two weeks, we get a reply that's like, hello, thanks for your inquiry, number 5,065, you know? Yeah. And then there's like a customer service you got to go through. And then maybe that problem never even gets solved. So I think that's really cool that you guys, because you're so intimate with your consumers, you can address problems, you can pivot very quickly, and you can, or you're able to increase your quality directly to the consumer's wants, which is extremely powerful and and really a big advantage, a big business advantage. Yeah. And that's definitely before Paul and Jen hired me, they were getting big enough with orders that we were looking at a fulfillment center. And mm-hmm. wow. they definitely did not want a fulfillment center until it gets to the point physically as a company can't sustain that and has to go right. to a big fulfillment center. True. They wanted someone in-house taking order, like putting orders out the door. Yeah. Little things is if someone, a lot of people order something and then they'll forget, oh, I forgot a lanyard for my rangefinder, And they right. do another order. Well, they paid double shipping. Well, we, right. we'll see that combine the orders together, refund their shipping and, uh, you know, their one order and send it out to them and little things like that. But then f- anything with phone calls, how to's a lot of, especially to the Bino harnesses are number one selling product. It's really what got FHF gear on the, on the map, I guess, if you mm-hmm. want to say it that way, but just like what, what size harness do I need for my Bino stuff like that? Super hands-on. So we definitely take customer service, super important. And it's kind of neat managing the Instagram and, and kind of getting that brand as we want to grow, but we always want to maintain that, that, uh, very hands-on with our customers and, you know, we're, we're users of the product as well and all that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you want to mess with Rick, you know, just send in like 10 orders of lanyards separately and see if, uh, (laughs) see if he'll catch that. (laughs) If it's that many, I'm I'm just going to, you're just going to get sent different packages. So, (laughs) so, so Rick, you wear a lot of hats. Are you, do you answer calls for the customers? Are you interfacing with them constantly as well as logistics and marketing side? 
So I'm starting to a little bit more right now that is mostly handled by Jen Lewis, Mm -hmm. um, Paul's wife, who's been handling all that. But now with we're moving into a new shop facility, we're going to have a landline there that I will start answering and dealing with. So slowly and slowly, Paul and Jen are bringing me on. I've been only been with FHF since December 1st officially. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's been a pretty interesting learning curve. They're definitely giving me responsibility, but let me, they're not thinking, they kind of threw me to sink or swim kind of mindset, (laughs) but but they're, I'm interacting with customers more, mostly my interactions with customers through Instagram, through the social media, Mm -hmm. but phone and email content is becoming more and more. And then once that landline is in the shop, it will be pretty heavy part of my job. How many Instagram DMs do you get as a, for um, pro staffs? Hey man, uh, can you send me? <laughs> oh, I never realized how annoying that was. Uh, that I and you know, Instagram DMs are funny. Some days yeah. I'll put a post up that I think is going to do great, and it kind of flops, doesn't get yeah. a lot of likes, and there's no DMs, and I'm like, oh wow, okay. And then the next day, it, all hell will break loose, and you'll get all these messages, all these requests, and you're hit just answering, answering, and. So yeah. it's pretty intense, but the pro staff and people who want free gear is, <laughs> is quite, quite impressive. And, and this is the slow season for us. And yeah, um, Paul yeah. and Jen have told me, wait till summer when it builds up into the fall season, yep. it will get crazy. So, so it's, it's very interesting that you guys, all three of you guys wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. Are there days where one hat takes priority over the other? As far as each hat we wear, uh, cause Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely would say, cause you know, creative contents, one of my hats, but just operations is the bigger one. So I say definitely just getting packages out the door or retail Mm -hmm. shipments out the door trumps my need to do any kind of photos and stuff, uh, depending on the day. Like I said, sometimes we have a couple retail orders come in and, and then for some reason did a bunch of online sales the day before. So that's mine. But Paul and Jen wear a lot more hats than I do. I don't even know how those two kept that company afloat for as long as they did (laughs) while working full-time jobs. A lot of coffee. Uh, Yeah. They didn't, they didn't sleep. They, they didn't sleep. I, they, there's no way they could have, but they, you know, Jen would, would be managing customer service and just making sure the bills and everything is, uh, purchase orders are moving. And then Paul would be dealing with production and making sure everything's that we're receiving from our production company is what the specs he wants and everything. So they're like mm-hmm. the, the most important things on a daily day basis. So mm-hmm. now, and I asked that question because for a, a larger brand, not saying that you guys aren't a large brand. You guys are no, very we're respectable. Small. We're, we're, yeah. we're small. Maybe respected. Right. And, and I'm talking in terms yeah. of, you know, like yeah. human resources, like mm-hmm. it's the three of you. And a larger brand, they have de- literally departments. I mean, yeah. your hat is is a department. And you don't, you know, you kind of forget that within these big companies, these brands mm-hmm. or these departments fight with each other on decisions. Yeah. Right? And oh, yeah. It's, I ask that because it's like, man, you guys have to really know what what hat to wear at what point in time because you don't have the luxury of those other people or those other departments that are taking care of the marketing or or taking care of fulfillment or things like that. Mm-hmm. So do you guys, you being the creative content person as well, how does that play into R&D? Do you do any R&D as well? 
as far as myself, like research and development on the products or, yeah, or pushing I mean, out just there because, to people trying to find P like well, cr- both, cr- yeah, both yeah. And creatively. And so I guess with R and D, yes, we are doing Paul, myself, and then we have a few select individuals that we always have R and D products and looking at mm-hmm. that and everything we're looking at coming out. Well, Paul and Jen kind of established like a pro staff R and D kind of mm-hmm. uh, list this right. summer, but that's kind of sat on the back burner, um, but something mm-hmm. we're going to look at in the future more building up that. And, uh, and then not so much R and D, but I've been working with some new companies for creative content, new individuals more than companies um, right, trying to, right. cause we have a very limited budget. We don't have the budget to be <laughs> putting out there to, to pay for, for big money, but yeah, absolutely. So I, I imagine that you guys have to get pretty creative and in, in how you use that money. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's pretty fun trying to work with people that maybe need a piece of gear that would give us a few photos in this regard. And then uh, that there was also another reason I got hired. Paul and Jen were at the point, they were just constantly in need of content. And mm-hmm. content is so important for marketing and selling product um, that right. they were always trying to reach their different people. But as you two know, like everyone has a different style of how they shoot, Correct. how they edit, all that. Correct. So they were getting yep. a mixed bag of everything. And they thought, well, if we already had a working relationship, they were like, if they hire me, then they have kind of a photographer all the time to work yep. on that stuff and, yep. and keep that moving while also having someone to pack boxes and do yep. all the other little things that need done. So yeah, if absolutely. that answers your question, I might have done no, no, it, it there a bit. It does. But, it brings consistency to the brand. And I think it, mm-hmm. it, it's very cool to see that, you know, a company made the jump and obviously, you know, we kind of get a glimpse of it through you. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we're, we're kind of going to FHF a lot, but what, let's talk about the inspiration and, and just your photography and the creative aspect. And, and I remember that was my first draw to you and Seth was, Hey, just on Instagram just looking at images and I was yeah. like, man, these guys have awesome stuff. You know what? Talk about that passion a little bit and the passion of moving out West. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, cause it is interesting. Cause like I said, everything I talk about with FHF, I am <laughs> walking in there every day. Like I hope I can pull this off. Cause I, <laughs> I have no training in any of this, but I guess all I have is that passion, especially mm-hmm. for being creative. Like I said, I have backgrounds in forest management, which I absolutely love it. Still, I know I'm going to miss it a little bit. It's definitely a passion, but uh, I think my passion for photography kind of started in high school, took photography classes, old 35 Mm -hmm. millimeter stuff. But I unfortunately didn't have my one grandfather passed away before I was born. And the other one passed away when I had just, it was a week after I killed my first deer and Mm -hmm. I didn't know him too much through my childhood. And they were both big hunters, loved hunting, fishing in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately both of them, loved to take photos and they loved photography. They liked to document it at least. Maybe they weren't the best photographers, but they liked to document it. My grandfather Hutton was always with his, I think it's a 38 old Mm -hmm. film camera. And my other grandfather was always taking photos, but that's most of the memories I have of those guys are through those photos. I don't Mm -hmm. have tons of, well, my one grandfather don't have any memories and the other one, very limited actual stuff. So when I flip through those photos of them, it's the only way I can kind of know what kind of individual they were beyond the right. stories I'm told. So I really liked how, you know, that photo could stop time. 
time is always working against us. You can't ever stop it. It's moving. You know, we're all going to leave this earth, everything like that. So it's kind of neat how whoever took that photo of them preserved that moment. So I can look back and see it. And that's where I was like, man, this is cool. You know, Mm -hmm. photography definitely has a lot of meaning that can be used in a lot of different ways. Right. And then two, I loved history. I still love history. I shouldn't say I did. Mm -hmm. I, I read a lot of history and it's really interesting to look at how many photos have helped change time or society. You know, they're just really impactful photos. I mean, I'm a Marine. The photo of Mount Suribachi, the flag raising in Iwo Jima. Very mm-hmm. iconic image to the United States Marine Corps and very iconic in that time of the war. Americans were getting very tired of the war, everything. And that one photo kind of brought hope and a whole different change. Sure. Very famous, Andy, we talked about this several times, very famous photos from the Vietnam War, how it can change, like Mm -hmm. an image is such impact. So I think I really got interested in saving a moment and then how important that moment can be in the future by looking back on it and reflecting. So that's kind of a long-winded answer for why I like photography. I definitely would say I'm more into stills than any kind of video. I love video. Mm -hmm. I'm just diving into it now. I mean, I've filmed with Seth all the time, but he's always been editing and more into creating that video. I've been more on the still kind of passion, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but then outdoors, you know, and then my content is all based on being the outdoors because I absolutely love uh, being outside hunting and fishing. It's all I've ever wanted to do. So I just try Mm -hmm. to preserve those moments and capture it. But if that answers it. No, it does. And I mean, we, we spoke, briefly about this too, right? Is for me, I, I think when we we chatted about this, but that picture of the Vietnam War with mm-hmm. the the helicopter. Yep. You know, that's kind of similar to to what you were saying about you never really knew your your grandfathers, but you do have a picture that gives you some semblance or or some idea of what it was like. You know, or yeah. it, it it tries you know, a, a picture can connect you with, like you said, a point in time that you just would never even be able to imagine or get the feeling for, but I think that's kind of the power of, of stills and, and a photograph is it is just a snapshot in time, but your mind fills in everything else, right? You look yeah. at a picture and you look at it and you're like, you, it's almost like you can hear in your head, the noises you can hear, you know, you can, I don't know, this is me getting all poetic and stuff, but you can, like it's it almost like you can, you can smell and taste and the senses yeah. you don't think can come out of a photograph. Your mind kind of fills that in for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's sure. kind of like the, the beauty yeah. of, of photography and is to be honest, a lot of reasons why people love it so much and people do prefer looking at a photograph other than watching a film. Yeah. No. And it lets, it's still, you know, it's kind of that halfway point between mm-hmm. reading and your full imagination or video, which feeds you the sound, the image, the motion, you know, that's kind of served on a plate to you where with reading your, right. Everything is really you kind of right. Mm-hmm. The photo is that weird middle ground where you can instantly see emotion, but you get to kind of put your feeling and thought and imagination in it, but still see a lot of reality. It's got weird. If that, that might be a horrible way to describe it, but I, I kind of, that's what I'm taking your describing. And I, yeah. I really appreciate stills for that. So, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, what are, what are some of your big sources of inspiration? As far as photographers or photographers reading, I, I, I think, okay. I think that's the biggest thing that I noticed when I came to visit you and Seth and we met for the first time was one, 
you know, just the vast amounts of knowledge that you had, the history and, and just the kind of expertise you had on the environment. And one was your books. I mean, I remember sitting in your living room in Helena, yeah. living room slash slash fly tying mm-hmm. slash kitchen, you know, slash <laughs> the multi-purpose room. room. Yeah, that's right. Library. It was all on <laughs> yeah. one. When, when and I remember just room. looking through your books, you know, I just mm-hmm. remember looking through your books and yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that, and I'm going off on a limb here, but that's a big source of inspiration for you is those mm-hmm. books that you read. Yeah, for sure. I guess with, with books, I read trying to, inspiration from books is I read a ton of history books. So I don't know if you want to say it's inspiration for my creative side, but it could be for just my respect of, like I said, for how important time is and looking back on things. So Mm -hmm. I read a ton of history, but I'd say for my outdoor kind of books, obviously read a lot of Steve Ranella's books, grew up kind of reading some of the Jack O'Connor stuff. Although I definitely didn't have the love affair for Jack O'Connor. That's some older people in the outdoor industry have for him. And I think that was a change in ethics because some of the things that Jack would write about and say, (laughs) I'd be like, Oh man, just slinging bullets everywhere, (laughs) you know? Uh, But uh, still for his romantic style of writing. And I did appreciate that. Um, Read a lot about John Muir, Theodore Roosevelt, Gifford Pinchot, the whole conservation movement, read a lot about that. Right. Which then sparked my going to, school for forest management and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. so that's on the reading side, but then I always been a big fan of like Ansel Adams and all the great black and white landscape photography. Definitely love that. Even though I don't, I don't myself think I do tons of landscape photography. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how you'd characterize or say what type of photography I do. It's kind of a mixed bag, but Mm-hmm. I do look at that for inspiration because I really love black and white and I like film stuff and I just appreciate it. I think us in the digital age and actually Seth and I were just talking about it because he bought a, uh, it's like a Polar, It's a simple Polaroid by Fujifilm. Yep. And it's oh, neat. I saw that. Yeah. That, it's pretty sick. He's been taking photos yep. with that and it's neat. But I remember how much work went into making the right exposure, making an image come out with film and then yep. you're like, well, I hope I, hope I expose that right. And then you walk away and have to go send it in and get it developed only come back and be like, Oh, I totally messed up all those photos. Right. So that appreciation for work I look at in, in anyone who was shooting film back in the day. So Seth is becoming a Bozeman hipster with a, a, a little pole. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he has, he, I bet you people would see him with that and perceive that because he has his mustache. He wears Yo. flannel a lot, which is not any hipster thing. That's just him being him. Yeah. But now with the Polaroid, I can see some people being like, Oh, there's mm-hmm. a hipster over there. But, uh, and the, uh, the drinks, what's that? The blue claws? Oh, white claws. Well, yeah. White, it's white claws. Two <laughs> claws on your dog, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Two claws are on dogs, but, uh, <laughs> no, white claws. They're, they're awesome. They're, they are dangerous. You gotta watch they out. They are. <laughs> we'll sneak up on you real quick. <laughs> they're, they taste so good. You could just drink five of those and you're yeah. like, I'm great. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm definitely drunk. I feel <laughs> they are, they are dangerous, but if you can learn just to sip them, and relax, but they're definitely the drink of Bozeman, Montana. It's everyone's, everyone's been telling this. I don't know where they got this statistic, but apparently Bozeman consumes more white claws per capita than any other like town or county or whatever in, in America. It's definitely, 
Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah. the last time I visited you guys, I brought a 30 pack of Bush. So I might have to yeah, switch up that offering. That up. You, you yeah, could still bring it. Bush. That's welcome, but it's definitely not, uh, <laughs> it's not the staple anymore. I'd say White Claws <laughs> and uh, Seth and, and Kelsey, his girlfriend, drink the White Claws a lot. I even, I've slowed down a little bit on, but uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll drink a White Claw though. They're, they're amazing. So. Oh, that's awesome. But, you know, not, not to get sidetracked on, on delicious beverages, but <laughs> the, the reason why I was asking about the inspiration of your books mm-hmm. was people listening are probably like, okay, why are they talking about books? Why are they talking about, you know, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to link it to where you're at now. I don't think that if, and this is another assumption of mine, but I, I don't think that if you had that, if you did not have that love affair with history and, you know, the writings of Steve Rinella and Jack O'Connor and all that stuff. I don't think, you know, you, you would have built up that passion to move out West. No way. No way. You know, you wouldn't have been where you are if you, you hadn't have moved out West. And I think without that, that love for all that stuff and, and for the wilds, you wouldn't have found yourself where you are with FHF. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Your inspirations are huge. And you know, it's funny too, because I, I think back on all the inspirations I had when I was really young, like what mm-hmm. I wanted to do when I was a boy. And then I feel like a lot of people get trapped in that as they grow up, you know, responsible decisions. What are you going to go to? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to do this? Like, you right. know, all that. And uh, I definitely, I flat out tell people I had a quarter life crisis in when I was around <laughs> 25. I was doing well with my career back home in Pennsylvania I was, you know, happy, but there was always like something was missing and I just wasn't fulfilled where I was. Mm -hmm. And that's those books all reading, especially Steve Rinella. He had a huge part of that. And uh, Seth and I actually both started reading American Buffalo and Mm -hmm. Meat Eater around the same time. And there was a couple other books I was reading at that time too, that really inspired me to just, you know, maybe moving West. Yep is an answer just because I've always dreamed of which Andy, you, you have seen obviously in the living room. There's a, I think it's 48 by 36 inch poster of Jeremiah Johnson yep. on the wall. And I have yep. a custom frame I built around it. And it's, it's been like my altar since I was 16. I think I built it when I was 16. I was pretty young and it's been above my bed or in a, in our living room ever since that. And yep. like, that's what I, when I was young, I just wanted to be like a mountain man. I wanted to be totally immersed in like, nature and do all that and have that rugged kind of lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. cowboys and Indian style, but definitely more mountain manish. And right. everything I did, it's one of the reasons too, I went for forestry. I wanted to work in the woods, wanted to be outside and do that mm-hmm. hunting and fishing, but all that inspired me. So when I was at that weird spot in my life, you know, like I said, I was doing everything right. It was that I was supposed to, but, um, I remember finally work, I was working for pheasants forever at that time. And they mm-hmm. sent me to Colorado and it was the first time I got to lay my eyes on the Rockies. Yeah. And that's when I was like, yep, okay. I, I want to be here. And I definitely made some big sacrifices and changed, but if it wasn't for those inspirations, I wouldn't be here. And I'm so much happier. I'm glad I took all the risks and, and, and did it. I'm sure Seth would say the same thing, but definitely those inspirations, especially when you're young. You know, what, what did you want to be when you were young, when right. you were a boy or a little girl, you know, don't give up on those or, or ignore them because it's not, you know, the thing society is expected, you know, it's not expected of you or right. however. So those are inspirations are super important and I would oh, not be absolutely. where I am just by, I remember I even 
I resisted social media in the beginning. And then Seth more embraced it right away. And I, I wanted to share and do photography, but I didn't, the phone, social likes, hashtags thing is, I'll be honest. I was kind of like, that is dumb. And, um, <laughs> but after seeing it and I was like, oh, that's, it's a creative way. It's not Facebook, you know, it's not right. like a second version of Facebook. It was a creative way to put your stuff out there and people can comment, like it and it, interact and talk about it. I really like that. And that's really how we connected with FHF was through Instagram, Paul and Jen, seeing Seth's content, my content, and really liking it. And then led into us doing some work for them in the beginning Mm -hmm. and led to that. So definitely, if anything, anyone listen to this, don't give up on like those little dreams you had when you're younger or just that inspiration because maybe you don't know exactly what you want to do and that's Mm -hmm. totally fine, but just don't give up on those little things and yeah. And uh, you never know where it's going to lead you because it led me into a totally different career now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, now you're, you're responding to DMs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sit there and respond to DMs for, uh, professionally now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but it, it is true because uh, some people ask me, they're like, wow, you got hired by FHF. How, you know, what's your background? And I was like, uh, I can tell you anything about a forest ecosystem yeah. and everything, but I don't know. Uh, just, but through you know, passion and being creative, which I love doing that. I love art. Yeah. It led me into this career. So definitely it's super important to. Absolutely. So how do you piggyback on, you know, your life inspirations and and bring that onto the FHF side? Well, definitely I bringing my, and I'm trying to be somewhat neutral. I don't want to turn the FHF brand or Instagram or anything into my, you know, just like a, right, right. Yeah. It's, it might seem like it once in a while. Cause I do steal photos real easy from my stash file or sets, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to reach out. I'm trying to bring in a lot more creative content from different photographers, but I just, I want it to be a very authentic brand. I've talked with Paul and Jen about this and they definitely agree. I want the brand to represent Paul and like what he started and his passion, because Paul actually went to school for wildlife biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, he okay. wanted he wanted to be a game warden. And the year he graduated college, or through his years of internships, there just was like a hiring freeze, I think, with yeah. Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. And the game warden test is the same test as the sheriff's department to be a deputy. Right. Right. So he gotcha. took it, got hired, and... <laughs> did a 20 year career, but his, he's very, very passionate about law enforcement, but he's super passionate about wildlife conservation, hunting and getting out there and being outdoors. So I want that brand to represent just an average person. They'd like the American sportsman, yeah. right? but I want it to be tasteful, really good photography. I, I don't want the, I kind of told Punch and I don't want our feed to be full of junky stuff. You know, I want like high quality, good stuff. So when people will look through it, they kind of get inspired to, Sure. You know, go out and do that. And obviously I'd love for them to wear FHF gear and support us, but at least inspire them to get out. So I guess that's building that brand up. We want to be authentic and like the American sportsman. Yeah. So you're saying no bikini pictures of Seth. Yeah, there will not be (laughs) no swimsuit pictures, especially not of myself or, or, or Seth, but, uh, uh, there'll be none of that on our feed. It's it's going to be you sure you don't have a FHF gear calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's no there's no uh, company calendar or anything <laughs> like that. Any, if there was a company calendar, now we'd only be able to do three months of it for. But maybe <laughs> add on like Seth and a lot of our other uh, 
uh, pretty standard content providers. We might be able to fill out a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no. And that's exactly, I feel like lately there's been a lot of, maybe it's just noticing it. And maybe it has been, but I feel like people are starting to notice the kind of fake content out there yeah. around the hunting mm-hmm. industry. And, you know, you guys do a fantastic job. I, I, I absolutely love everything you're doing. Cause when I look at your feed, it just screams authentic, like the American sportsman. I mm-hmm. love that. It like sends chills down my spine. But when I look at some other feeds, I'm like, oh my God, this is all, yeah, bikinis and product being shoved in your face and right. this. And, and, and I, I get it now also with, working for FHF, everything has to kind of help us sell product. That's how That's we right. stay Absolutely. afloat. So I get it. I, I, I don't down companies for selling or pushing product, but I, I want them to do it in like a, a very tasteful way, especially to, you know, FHF, we, all of our products, most of them, I should say, are for hunting and fishing, which involve the use of wildlife in America, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I want us to show that where we respect and give back to that instead of just take, take, take from it. Right. It's been pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys have noticed it lately with all the uh, kind of not uprisings, and I'm butchering how to say this, but just the discontent that some people are showing towards some marketing schemes oh, in the hunting and fishing outdoor industry. So. Absolutely. And it's funny because we, Phil and I have this almost like a running joke where there's t- the, the two most overused words, words. in the industry is yep. content and authentic, right? Yeah. And okay. All right. It's, and I just said fun. it a bunch. <laughs> well, it's, it, no, but, but that's, that's the thing is, is, mm-hmm. but there's a difference, right? There's a difference yeah. because you are consciously, um, I don't, on your I, brain. I don't even know if mm-hmm. I said that right. Con- that's okay. I don't, I don't say <laughs> half the words I say, right? So. Yeah. I got to find a dictionary, but <laughs> you know, it's a given for you guys. It's a given for FHF to be like, we need to authentic isn't a buzzword anymore. It's a must, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. It is a, a given. It's not like, you're going into a boardroom. You're like, all right, guys, like today we're going to be authentic. It's like, man, that was always in the FHF yeah. cards, you yeah. know, being authentic and producing images and videos that at the root of the brand mm-hmm. is the brand. We're not trying to be something that we then have to cover up later and say, Hey guys, like this is authentic. It's like, well, it should have already been authentic from the beginning. And I think that is the case yeah. with FHF. And the reason why Phil and I, we, we think, Content is a big overused word is because for us, there's a lot of content yes. out there, right? And click, little little yeah, counter, yeah. click, right? Every yeah. time it said content. But for you, Rick, running now that you're on the brand side, you realize that that content needs to provide something for your brand in order for to to generate some yes. kind of value, yes. right? It, bec- it then becomes goes from a con uh, just a piece of content to yeah an asset i like that for the brand instead of just like no oh, we have like a ton of content yeah. content content because i mean and, and we represent a client where we're trying to source influencers and, and procure them and like we i mean just like dms right it's like hey man i'm a content creator i'm a content creator i'm a content creator and i create content it's like okay well content all content is yes not exactly I, yeah you know? that's on, yeah, all content is not created equal, and what what one person may see as really good content could absolutely be the worst kind of content that a brand posts mm-hmm. on their feed. 
And I think now that you you you're handling that, it's it's kind of interesting that you're you're noticing that shift yeah. too, right? Because you are now responding to, like you said, like you see what post flops and what post gains a lot of in- yep. engagement. And that's um, something with a uh, you know when I started for FHF, Paul it flat out said he's like, I don't pay people to wear my harness. He goes, we don't pay anyone yeah. that wears an FHF harness. He goes, I want people if they want to wear it and represent it, I want them to do that. Sure. So we, unlike a lot of other companies, you know, they're out there, they're paying Instagram or whatever influencers and content mm-hmm. providers to wear their gear and everything. And maybe if you would take that right. check away, they might not wear that brand. They'll go buy a different one. He does not want it to be like that. He wants it to be real, which I definitely appreciated. And then two, which is photos. I can reach out to a bunch of different people and have, like you said, all this content, I can have un, you know, tons of photos, Instagram shoutouts, everything. If I would just send out some gear right. and ask people to do it, but I, we don't want that. We want real in the field use photos with real emotion. People, you know, not like like obviously we do some staged shoots when I need a certain photo in this thing. We go out, we do it. But I know. Sure. Moving forward, and we've as a company, we've talked about it, a lot of our stuff is going to come fly like from the field. They're going to have real emotion behind a real hunt, a real fishing trip. Yep. You know, real use uh, law enforcement, any of our law enforcement gear that we make, it's going to have that, you know, and I want to say the word authentic, but yeah, I wanna, you know, I'm, I'm scared to say it, Andy. <laughs> but it's just going to have that real, it's not going to be faked. People who wear our gear. They're doing it because they they really trust it. And uh, that's what we want to put out there as our brand, that we're real. It's not, you know, we're not paying people to do anything and stuff. And I feel like that's definitely, or, you know, maybe I shouldn't say they're paid because some companies aren't paying, but they're making sure someone who has a lot of followers or a lot of hits on YouTube is running this gear. And that's Mm -hmm. more important versus someone who actually, you know, uses the gear the way it's supposed to be or, you know, has actually a lot of uh, clout, I should say. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. actually, has clout. And uh, you know, we just talked to Sam oh, nice. about this, but we're not knocking yeah. influencers, no, and, I, yeah. and we think that there are awesome influencers out there that, like you said, have clout and actually know the product, have used it, put it through the ringer. But I think once you see a lot of people, they just have like five, ten different brands under mm-hmm. the, in their profile. It's like, you know. My name is Andy, and I have a Walmart <laughs> yeah. pro staff. You know, Target. Yeah, know. You know, Target yep. expert. Yep. I'm a a pro staff for Exxon gas stations. I'm a you know little Debbie. It's, you're just like, what yeah. the heck is yeah. going on? You know, like, are these people truly standing behind these brands, or do they just love to just be a part of it? Have sure. the ability to yeah. say that yeah. they're a part of something, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that people are placing undue value on yeah. it, you know, and taking it as like, Oh man, this guy is like, he's got all these brands on him. So he must be. Super yeah, legit. I know. And yeah. yes, I agree. I'm not knocking influencers. There's some great influencers out there that are really doing good things for those brands for conservation too. You know, I mean, there's, there's certain brands Absolutely. that are really, in my opinion right now, they are killing it with the true message behind mm-hmm. the outdoors conservation, everything. And yeah. that's also become, uh, I kind of, have a pet peeve that conservation has even become a a cool word to use, you know. Oh, um, dude, we were just talking about that with Robbie from Blood Origins. Oh, that, yeah, that conservation mm. is becoming 
it's becoming this blanket yeah. go-to cool thing and to say. It's becoming. Right? It's like, oh, why do you hunt? Yeah, yeah it's like, why do you hunt? Oh, oh, but, conservation. And so. I guess from okay. <laughs> my back, my other background in forest management, I worked for the state right. wildlife agency as an intern in Pennsylvania, the game commission for a couple of years, worked for pheasants forever, worked for the U.S. Forest Service. So uh, there's something I'm just as passionate about as photography. It is, you know, forest management, actual conservation. So when people say everything about yep. conservation, I, I really hope their heart or they understand the history of it in this country. There's so many people. Right. And they have they the do. data to back and it up that they're the actually. data and at least or the general things. understanding. But I've definitely noticed lately on social media, there's people that to justify hunting or anything they're they're saying well it's conservation and it's these slang words like hunting is conservation thing which i'm not knocking that phrase but it's people have taken that phrase and i've kind of hijacked it from its original provider i should say well and that's how we feel about the the words content yes right it's kind of becoming becoming that like slang that is just throwing a big blanket on things it's almost like i find it really funny from a marketing standpoint when you go to like any kind of fast food or, or you look at like a hot dog or something and it's like 100% real yeah. meat. And you're like, dude, why does the yeah. word real yeah. have to be in front of it? Like it should just be meat, man. Or like, you know, why do you have to tell us that it's yeah. real? Like it, sh- it shouldn't be right. fake in the yep. first place. You know, that's kind of how we feel yeah. about these blanket words being used. But you know, it's, I think the trends are definitely changing and it's kind of funny because you do have, you have that opportunity to see both sides of things, right. From the consumer side, because you are, you guys use FHF gear. You guys have always used Mm -hmm. FHF gear. And now you're on the manufacturing side where you, you have to, I wouldn't say play to that market, but you kind of have to find that line of, Hey, how do we go about talking to our consumers and how do we prevent looking like oh, this yeah. or have this. And image. that's a constant conversation at work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been a, a conversation. I mean, I know it has been, I shouldn't say, I think I know it has been with between Paul and Jen and, and since Paul started uh, FHF, right. because he always, he's a very authentic dude. He is just, he gives you straight mm-hmm. answers. He doesn't try mm-hmm. to bullshit you anything like that. And that's the way he wants the brand to be. So that's the way I feel it should be. So we're trying to, take that and interesting and we're only in the i'd say the the really infant stages of growing the brand you know it's been there through the hard work but like mm-hmm. i said there was so many more things they've been working on keeping the company afloat and moving forward than doing all this brand work now we're mm-hmm. getting now with myself being on the team to where we really want to build the brand push it and and grow it but it's going to be yeah real we're not going to have any of that kind of the all the the problems it's a grind too. With. and it is Interesting though, like I said, because it's easy to be yourself, but then at the end of the day, we need to also make sure our product is getting out there, we're selling, we're making sales and stuff. So it's a really interesting line. We got to float without pushing Mm -hmm. it in someone's face, but then, yeah, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So, so what's you talk about not, you know, not having a lot of experience of mm-hmm. you know jumping into the sales side, jumping into the market. What's the, been your biggest struggle? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Yeah, your job's online. You're you're interviewing. Yep, you're in. Job. This is <laughs> yeah. these are our interview questions. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest. Well, well, I should say it could be either on the you know the logistics side or on the content side. 
I don't think I've had any major struggles yet on the content side. I think my biggest struggle with work is just learning sales. Like, oh, this is okay. Because right. I, I always worked for agencies or nonprofits. So I guess okay. now the sale component has been my biggest struggle. Just kind of getting my head wrapped around that. I haven't really had any major struggles yet. I'm sure I will as I... Still early. Still, still early. early. No, you'll like be. I'm just jumping into video editing here. And actually, when I get off this, I'm probably going to fire up Premiere Pro a little bit and then have my laptop off to the side or you know, my laptop screen with YouTube up. And I feel like that's going to be my biggest pain is editing and making the content turn mm-hmm. out the way we want it. But... Yeah, I would say just sales in general and everything, but yeah. very, very excited to work for FHF and have the opportunity to help grow a brand that I care about. And yeah, so. So it, it's another thing that we like to dig into is, you know, just talking about that outward appearance, right, of working or living in these outdoor industries and, and having a profession in it. People kind of think it's all, you know, all nice and dandy, but oh, clearly yeah. you, it, there's a ton of stress that goes with it. And Hey, I mean, you're a prime example of that. It's like, it might seem like, Oh man, dude, like Ricky work for FHF. That's yeah. awesome. And it is awesome, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you, yeah, yeah uh, your, your job is, is, I mean, you've got your hands full and you, I, I imagine you're stressed as heck. It, yeah, definitely. And it's funny because, and I, I, tell Paul Lewis all the time. It's like, you're going to have to get out and hunt more this year. Like we got to <laughs> you know, do content, build the brand. I want you out there. And he's like, when do we have time? Cause in the past few years, he hasn't had as much time to get out in the field mm-hmm. because he is trying to, he was trying to finish up his law enforcement career and then also keep FHF afloat with Jen yep. and yep. try to keep sure. it moving. Yeah. It's growing. And yeah. they spent so much time doing that. Paul has not got out in the field as much as he wanted, but hopefully now, now that there's three of us, I'll help free up a little bit of time and, and push him out into the field. And, uh, and Jen's definitely pushing him to get out in the field more. But yeah, yeah it's definitely, I, I, from being on in, you know, technically in the outdoor or hunting and fishing industry, however you want to say it now, and then also doing content for certain companies over the past few years in that industry, it is not, you know, you're not going to go hunting every day. <laughs> it is a job. It is a career. You are putting yeah. time. You are going to have to, well, Prime example, which I'm sure Seth talked about this, but if yep. someone doesn't listen to his podcast, Seth works for Meat Eater, and mm-hmm. everyone thinks like he's out there every day hunting for himself. Yeah, yeah. It's not the case. Great, fantastic company to work for. He is so happy with his career right now, but he gave up a lot of time this past fall to hunt. I hunted way more than him, and it was kind of funny all of a sudden because uh, he got that job in beginning of August. Mm-hmm. No end of August, excuse me. No, mid-September. I lied. I lied three times to you there. <laughs> so, Mid-September, he got that job. And all of a sudden, my hunting partner of 10 years was just vanished. And I was like, oh God, well, you know, mm-hmm. now, but, uh, and then at the end of the season, he still had a Montana elk and deer tag in his pocket. He didn't get to fill. So mm-hmm. he got some good time to hunt Nebraska. We bow hunted whitetails, but he definitely gave up a lot for that. So yeah, to anyone dreaming of hunting and fishing industry it is great i mean it's it's good to work in your passion every day but it's still mm-hmm. you know you're not going to be hunting every day don't take that mindset or hope and throw it away <laughs> yeah even, even crush even your like, dreams guys yeah, not bad. Saying, <laughs> even, uh, even you know steve Rennell and randy newberg don't get to hunt every day they still have plenty of stressful days where they're doing work and now maybe those guys are on the other end of the spectrum they get the most time i'd say but 
mm-hmm. but they're still working and very stressful and doing a lot of hard hours and work and dedication, a lot of dedication to get where those guys are. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a rude awakening. I think to some people, when you, you tell them that they're like, what really? You're like, man, I thought you guys would be yeah. out there all the time. It's yeah, like, you guys are a prime example, you know, yeah, it's, it's miserable. <laughs> 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 well, work. it's funny because like, I mean, just when we started this, you know, I, I, I don't even consider myself a very good hunter or a fisherman because he's actually a terrible even, shot. I'm a terrible shot. I, I mean, I missed a, a squirrel point blank with a 22 <laughs> and then I shot at a goose this year and I missed that goose too. You know, it was three, like, that, shots, that was the epitome no, of, of my hunting, <laughs> but it's, yeah, but it, it's a good trade-off, you know, right. because at the end of the day, oh yeah, you are yeah. doing something that you, you are passionate You're in the space about. that you, you want to be in, but it's and, just, you, you got a, a little bit of sacrifice. You're still there, but you just, you know. Yeah. And that's the difference that you guys are looking at the right way. You know, the, where you've been, look at what have you done in the past year, all the places, oh, yeah. it's been and, a while. Yeah. you know, it's amazing. And you're getting those experiences. So like that's, and that's the biggest thing at the end of the day. I think that definitely is a point when you realize you're hunting or fishing more for the experience than the actual oh, you know, yep, trophy. Sure. I'm okay with the term trophy because every animal you get to harvest, whether the meat and the smallest antler, a feather, you know, yep. all these turkey fans on the wall behind me, they're trophies. But so I'm fine with that term. I feel like that term gets hurt a lot, but you know, the experience is the biggest thing. I'm super jealous of all the stuff you guys did in Alaska this year is pretty awesome. You got the experience to be up there yeah, and absolutely. that's, that's amazing. But hopefully one day we can get you out sometime for a non-work trip. I know, I know we, I need to come up to there. All, yeah. yeah. No, you can bring a camera for like stills, but that's it. No, no, <laughs> no other work. No. Well, I told Kelsey and Seth this, but, and we're still on the podcast, but I, I want to <laughs> get out there. I want to get out there and we're all talking about our personal trips now, but you know, I, I want to get out there and, and just do like a, uh, just a podcast with you three. Yeah. yeah. That'd be um, cool. Or are you and, coming out around your birthday? Yeah. Well, dude, so totally unrelated to this podcast, but, but everybody listening, <laughs> Rick and I just learned through Seth on the podcast that yeah. You and I same birthday, uh, very close. No, no, a a day apart. Yeah, I'm the 27th of May. You're the 28th, correct? Yep. So everybody listening on May babies, we're all May babies. Oh, really? No way. I'm just two weeks before. Oh my god, that's why we're all great minds. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll go out there and we'll drink a lot of Duke. I mean, White Claw. White Claw. We got to work on that podcast away. Duke White Claw, (laughs) and then there's a few other brands, but White Claw is the name of it. Yeah, we'll have that because it will be nice weather. That's well, the rivers might be pretty scary depending how runoff goes. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, what we're going to Montana for is to do a dry run on the Smith. (laughs) Well, that's that's good for the Smith because at least the flows will be like you'll be able to float to actually float. Yeah, the Smith gets to the point sometimes where you're pushing your vessel a little bit because right. it's that low or navigating some pretty sketchy areas. So that'll be fine for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how fishing will be on the Smith at that point, but yeah. So at least you'll, your boat will float the entire way. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I think I'll go out there and see you guys first before I hop on the Smith and sweet or, or after it doesn't matter. But. Yeah. We're, we're not far. Yeah. From, from where you're going to take out and everything. So yeah, for sure. man. But, so we have in Montana, uh, in Montana terms, still like a two hour some drive, but you know, oh, that's which sometimes it takes short. us that long <laughs> to get to DC, and we're only yeah, yeah that's 10 true. miles away. Oh, yeah, I, I, DC traffic—that's that's a nightmare to me. 
gosh. Oh. You were close to coming that one year. I, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to bring my folks down. and Because I, I love D.C. Absolutely. I, I love walking around. All the monuments, memorials. Mm-hmm. Wanted to do it. We just, I forget why. We just, something with just time. I was only home for so many days. Couldn't make it happen. But maybe maybe this winter, if I go home for Christmas, which I will go home for Christmas again, yeah. maybe I can grab my folks and come down to D.C. Shoot on down. Yeah, because yeah, sure. I do. It's a good time. I think every American should go to Washington, D.C. at least once in their life. Yeah. And I say this, and I always feel bad, but it's like I live in D.C. and I have, I've seen a couple, you know, you've been to, I've been to the mall and I've seen the monuments, but I've never truly gone and, and oh, walked them and seen yeah. them. So you've got to take like a, it, and the thing is, you could break it up too, but yeah. it, oh, yeah. it's something to see. I think it's a great, great part of America. Uh, if you could deal with the traffic, I, get high blood pressure when I'm around all those cars. <laughs> I, I do not like it, but yeah, it's cool. Well, we typically end the podcast for everybody with this consistent question so that, you know, after Ooh. every episode, no matter who it is, there's always this, this consistent question to everyone. So Phil, you want to take it away? Sure. Yeah. All right, Rick. So if you could go back and, and tell your younger self, let's just say before heading out West or even, you know, in photography class, what, what what advice would you give your younger self looking back? Pre mustache, Rick. Pre, yeah. Oh, great mustache, by the way. A lot of there's a lot of things <laughs> I tell that fella. Um, <laughs> but it, if I can kind of sum it up, which I'm a long winded person, so this might be a little. We got we got plenty of time. I'd say don't. I my biggest thing I fell in the groove of what was I supposed to do was just like what did society expect of me? Mm-hmm. Go to college, all this, you know. I, I put off joining the military, which is something I wanted to do when I was real little, and there was other factors pushing that around. But I would tell that let's say high school age me mm-hmm. in photography class, don't let people other people influence that. I definitely gave up. I moved away from photography a little bit because you know, wasn't the cool thing. Everyone's like, oh, you're into art and photography. That's dumb, you know? And I was like, oh, that's expected of me that I don't do that. It's expected mm-hmm. I go do this. I got to have this career. You know, don't fall into that, you know? Um, not saying don't pay your bills and all that kind of stuff. Like be responsible, <laughs> but follow, I don't want to say follow your dreams because that's like, I hate that term. But follow just, your dreams. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> you just say expect the quarter century <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Life crisis and and go. And go. Like, just (laughs) think of what you wanted when you were a little boy or girl. You know, Mm -hmm. what, like, what things are really important to you. Look at that and then try to make a follow that. And it will lead you down other paths. And don't be afraid to totally jump into something new. I also hate when people say life's an adventure and stuff, but it is, you know, but just don't, I don't know. I, I guess don't fall in that rut of this is what's expecting me. I need to go to college to become this or this or this. Cause that's like the best paying thing. And that's this. And that's, right. you know, uh, if you don't want to go to college, don't go right away, go, go yeah. work a job. Be like, maybe I'll be a cook. I'll go get a job in a restaurant after high school and see how it works for a year or two. Yeah. And you're quickly going to realize as you grow, Oh, that's not what I want to do or this is. So yeah. don't fall in that track. I guess that's what I'm saying. Don't fall in the trap of this is what is expected of you as society. This is what you need to do. You know, just, be yourself and kind of go with it and figure out what, what means a lot to you and don't, and there big one, don't be afraid to move away. A lot yeah. of people I feel like gets trapped like, Oh man, I can't leave my hometown. And that is the number one mistake. You can move back and there's nothing wrong with moving back. A lot of people grow up in places. It's 
their hometown is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't be afraid for, even if it's for a year or especially if you are in college an internship, that's the best time. Go away, move away from home for three months, get a job. Andy, your brother's doing it this summer when he's working. Yeah. I actually just thought about, how, yeah, about that. Like that. And we, we talked about that too, you know, and, and yep. I, I mean, he kind of, he and I followed, I wouldn't say followed the same path, but you know, when, like you said, when we were little kids and I still have the book, you know, it was a book called the Canadian Rockies by Douglas Layton, 1996. And it was just oh. this photo book, you know? And, yeah. and when we were, like you said, when you're little kids, we were like, one day we're going to see the West one day, you know, yeah. us two little kids in the city, never even seen a mountain. Like we we're like, one of these days we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a profession that, that allows us to do this. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of saw him, like you said, drift away from that and go to the safe spot that society has, you know, kind of said, Hey, you need to do this. And he, you know, he wanted to be a vet tech and then he became a vet tech and, and wanted to be a vet veterinarian. And all he was doing was something that he finally realized like, wow, this is absolutely not something I want to do. Yeah. And now he's going to be a wilderness, whatever firefighter in Wyoming. Yeah, and it's, yeah, he's going to work at a, uh, for the U S Forest service as a wildland firefighter. And that's, a, yeah. I'm so pumped. I'd love to talk to him before he ships out for his season too. And, but that's great that that one experience, even if someone does one thing like that, where they right. move away, get away from the family and think for themselves, all that. I think that's super important. And I guess that's why I love to tell the, the young Rick. Yeah. The little Rick, uh, yeah, little Rick. You know, a lot of other things, but those, those <laughs> I could just boil them down. Yeah. Awesome, Rick. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're Absolutely. very busy and, and you're running around a lot and you're, got a lot of hats that you need to attend to. So again, thank you so much for your time. And Phil and I are definitely very excited to see where you, Paul and Jen take FHF this year and beyond. And we are so excited that you have been on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, I am equally as excited to see where both of you take Muddy Shutter Media, grow it into this huge, whatever you two want it to be, you know, (laughs) but uh, yeah. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Rick. All right, Rick. Thank you. Thanks again for joining on today's episode of the Burning Creative Podcast. Don't forget to show us some love by sharing, subscribing, and following along on our website, theburningcreative.com. Until next time, keep the fire burning.